What's up, everybody? This is Ace of Next Fan Ben. Welcome back to the Pirate CSG podcast. This is the next part of the interview with the amazing game designer Mike Mulvihill. And you can find all the resources and whatnot that we talked about in the description below. And please consider also checking out the eBay affiliate link in the description uh, to help support my content and everything I do to try to keep this game alive. Thanks for listening, and let's get to the episode. What are your favorite memories of Pirate CSG? Got so many. Uh, the the working. I remember literally spending time at work, still you know trying to stop frames on the Pirates of the Caribbean movie because back then there was no like screenshot archive of anything, just to get like a semi unblurry picture of a character in the background that we were going to use one of the Davy Jones crew or. Or uh, the two crew in the in the um, uh, uh, in the J the 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 various pirates from the other factions and all that kind of stuff. It's yeah. just that was that was always cool. I'll remember like that first Gen Con where I where we was debuted, and when you watch somebody going, well, how do you measure? And I'm like, well, it's right here on the card, and then they're just eyes going. Whoa! <laughs> like, like, literally, like we invented like air. I mean, it was like crazy. Just the response that that had. Um, I remember. I think it was a few years in, um, like going and watching at like the one of the first tournaments we did, and watching people just like, like, like play it seriously. You know. It, I don't mean seriously by not having fun, but playing it because there's a prize at the end versus playing it for like yucks at the table. I remember showing my girls the game. That was that was really huge because I think it was one of the first games that they really kind of got a um, uh, a sense of what I do for a living and and just the the, the stuff the the toys if you want. I mean, we had clicks figures all over the house but this one was something that they knew didn't exist until i did it you know mm, yep. so uh that was that was cool the santa character doing the sleigh and the santa promo uh that was really cool that meant a lot to me um i actually was the one who created the idea for the clicks games so you know the fact that we were able to continue that tradition into the pirates game was 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 really cool um uh, it's like I said. I still think we ha- we keep one up almost all year now because it's just my wife just is like just loves it so much. Uh, I don't know playing with you because it was whatever fifteen years after playing the game, and here I am playing a game in a game shop where people are coming over and talking to us about this game that I haven't you know really thought much about in a long period of time. Yeah, was was actually is now more etched in my memory than a lot of the stuff that happened back in the day. So that was cool. So thank you for that. That was a that's a really awesome memory. Thank um, you. But yeah, I I think that covers my memories. I mean, there's yeah. uh awesome. Yeah, that first Gen Con reminds me of uh, I think Mike Selinker said a very similar thing about kind of debuting it to the public on a bigger scale for the first time, and people's minds were just blown. So. It's pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, it was uh, awesome. Yeah. 
is there anything you would have changed in hindsight other than other than like the rules we talked about on the last session or some of the mechanics? I think in the big picture, I kind of wish that we would have looked at it early on as this kind of long play game. Um, but it wasn't. I mean, at the same time I was doing this game, I was doing the baseball game and baseball's also a massive love of my life. And so I was working on these two games that were a split passion. And I, there's some part of me deep down that feels like maybe I didn't give pirates the, the love I did. Obviously I did. The game lasted a long time and, and it had a good thing, but I just, I, there's, there's a little bit of me that says, you know, man, if you would have devoted if you were only working on pirates, think of what we have done, you know, kind of thing. But that's that's not a, a regret. I think the biggest issue, really, and you bring it up in this meeting here, I don't think I would have ever thought of it, or in this discussions, I don't think I would have ever thought about it back in the day. And that was the concept that, like, how do we, what else does this game have in it? You know, the concept of a legacy game didn't exist at that time. Um, but, like, could we have turned it into a scenario-based long-play game? Could we have done it in a sense of a, um, uh, you know, what would it have been if it would have been a giant battle, a thousand-point, you know, or let's just say even at the early stages, a hundred-point game? What does this mean? Again, it was constantly flying into the conflict of the mandate from from above me, you know, of what the game is and what it should be. And so taking that time early on to take that few steps back and say, but what if we can do these other things? The question is, would it have been worth it? Were the players involved like they are now with that level? How many people would we brought in and kept in if we would have had this bigger, wider open, for lack of a better term, more strategic gameplay path for them? I don't know, but to me, that's again, this is the storyteller in me hears you talking about that, and man, like I'm like, oh my god! First off, it's not the real world; it's kind of an real world adjacent. So we can have giant ocean, big oceans. We could have a pre preformed map that you play on, and this is the battle of, you know, Skull Island, you know, or something like that. We could have done those kinds of scenario based gameplay without really stretching any of us it's what i did for a living for before i started doing that it's what jordan did for a living before he started doing that so the sale to him from me to him may not have been hard the sale may have been like where are we going with this what's the long-term plan and like i said jordan had a very logical plan in his mind of what the, all the next steps were and we basically had to talk him out of that so by doing that i think it stopped us from looking at um some other options early on but man if i were to go back today and say hey let's do this i would be looking at those other options the scenario based the big the big fleet play mm -hmm. you know how does this all work you know what else can we do to to do that kind of stuff it like i said it flies in contrast to what they wanted us to make the game mm -hmm. do but it would have been more I think longer, it could have been more robust longer and differently. It would have been a very different kind of game for WizKids at the time, but nothing that none of us made. before. I mean, we made all those games before, so it would have been in our wheelhouse. That would have been the biggest thing I think it would have been done. Uh, 
part of my heart says bigger sets so that we could bring bring um like we didn't have to ignore a, a faction once we came out with a new faction we could have always tossed in a couple of ships or a couple of crew or a couple of of you know ships to keep those fresh i i did feel like we were we were like setting you up to buy into this really cool faction and then they never come out again you know yeah my guess is if there were complaints at the time it may have been that i don't remember them i just maybe it's just in my head i think that there were complaints about that that like you know hey we did these really cool norse with the cool viking ships and the cool thing and then we don't do them again and people would go i want more of those because that was cool it was hard to justify because that's like now five and now six factions in every set. So everybody got less. Yeah. But I would have, I think if we could have figured out a way to do that, that would have been cool. Yeah. I think those, I think and nice. we, and regrets are small and inconsequential because yep. the game is still going on and super successful exactly. and really cool. But that's more of a, it's less of a regrets and more of, man, I wish we would have thought of this. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yeah. And I think the community is, done a great job taking it in different directions and expanding kind of what people 100%. realize go real, community yeah realize it's possible with the game i'll send you uh i don't know if you've seen it before on boarding geek there's a scenarios document that i think is like 40 or 60 pages long so i'll i'll hit you up with some some interesting house rules if you ever yeah no that's cool yeah, I, like i say that's all that's all cool i mean i think that if you are playing this game and you love it I always say this, I we don't send the, you know, uh pirates of the uh crimson seas to your house to uh punish you or or police <laughs> your game playing. We, you know, if you take it to your house and you say I want to do this with this game, dude, go for it, you know? Yep, um Exactly. Yep. So, I I'm glad to hear that people are still doing that and still using this game as a as their their goal. That's really cool. Yep. So I know you went to uh, Smith and Tinker in like late 2007. How did you get out of Pirates that year? Was it kind of? Uh, I left. I yep. left WizKids. Mm-hmm. Um, I I left uh, WizKids um, on of my own accord, um, and then I uh, I did a spell doing some freelancing for a little bit. Um, and then uh, then uh, Jordan started up a new concern and he needed somebody who can make games. So I ended up over there. Yep. And that was cool because, again, that was me taking my um, Sony Online Entertainment knowledge of, of, of the logic behind um, uh, uh, what, they, what a programmer needs in terms of logic to make a game. And then I went there and that knowledge helped us make like new games it allowed me to like also learn how to do like ai uh construct uh, um like when you're playing against the computer how to have the computer play at a, a logical level and what it's its decision tree is and i learned that because i needed to say you know here's how you you know here like i said before how do we take this power and make a computer understand it in its language and using that skills i at at smith and tinker then we created all kinds of new um new games yeah love it what do you think is the biggest reason that pirate csg went out of print um i would say 
it was a so you know if you look at it from a big picture of a company buying a company then selling that company to another company to buy something the they NECA when they bought it from Tops was NECA being a place that made action figures and making a place that made collectible statues. It only made sense that they were buying Wiz Kids at the time for its uh it the minute the the hero clicks the miniatures. Yeah, they had all the licenses. They already had that that relationship with everybody at that point we had done horror clicks and we had done halo i think is clicks and so we could see a company could see how the clicks can merge with their their other things they probably already had infrastructure and now they had a game that had a name and a following and had already existing licenses and properties unfortunately none of that is pirates Pirates was a styrene-based game. The two styrene, the three styrene-based games that came after it did not ever do as well as Pirates did. Um, and that includes a Star Wars game and a NASCAR game and a our own propriety game that we actually did cartoons for. Um, and none of them did anywhere near what Pirates did, whether it's the fact that you're playing with pirate ships and there's it's the evocative nature of that, whether it's the post-Pirates of the Caribbean hangover, or whether it was just a better game. It, all of those don't even matter. It's just that none of them, Star Wars is the biggest prop, you know, one of the biggest properties in the universe, and that yeah. didn't go over. So we're in a position where we are, um, you know, if you're buying the company and you're buying it for A, B, C, D, E, F, G, X, whatever it is, they're going to be, uh, you know, not where you're going to spend your money, especially if you just spend a lot of money to buy a company. So, you know, if you bought a company and you wanted it to do this thing with miniatures and figures and Pirates was not on that list, and even if it was selling decent, you have to put in a bunch of infrastructure, you have to get people who can create things in styrene you have to hire a stu- you know you have to maintain the contract with the person the company that does styrene you have to figure out somebody who can do those 3d graphic molds you know it may just been a bridge too far for them and that would be my guess you know, just from a five hundred thousand feet you know business decision is that basically it was the odd man out i mean uh if you think about it um you know, and then you could see that that may have been the case because then they took all the various different um, clicks games and labeled them all hero clicks and put them all under one thing. So they basically, I mean, it wasn't just pirates that got the axe. They just started like merging and, and, and getting things. And I just think that in the long run, it was, uh, you know, as a, as a new company buying stuff, they would have been making something that was truly out of their wheelhouse because yeah. they didn't have that structure. That would be my guess. I mean, I, I don't know. I was, like I said, I was out of the company by that time. Um, I don't really know what the really, like I was out of it when it was still owned by WizKids. And yeah. this is in the, in the, um, the WizKids 3.0 phase where it was all new management and new ownership and tops was bought and, you know, and so it was a totally different experience and environment. And it was not, it was, very like i guess i sensed it was not on stable grounds and it, it ended up being that it got flipped within a couple of years so i don't feel like i 
was right, but I also don't feel like I was very wrong. My buddy Seth, the Seth that you met, was there till nearly the very end, and there was also kind of, there was also kind of also a mind shift uh, of like what is what does a brand mean, and is this a brand? Again, they we spent a couple of years trying to turn it into an IP only to realize that no one was going to ever invest in that IP. And so that was a, my guess is that also had a little bit to do with it. They couldn't flip it on its own. And so therefore, you know, it was just easier to say no at, over time, I guess. Yeah. So. That makes sense though. Yep. Uh, I think the next one I'm realizing might be a better question for Tiffany, but uh, do you know if the licensing agreement with Wizards of the Coast from 2007 was part of the reason why there were more non-pack products released in the later set, uh, such as like the boxes, as opposed to like the three ninety nine booster packs. Uh I would say I don't know. Okay, I actually don't know the marketing plan for future sets. My guess would be it had zero to do with the licensing agreement with Wizards of the Coast, like zero to do with that. And my guess it would be was to try to figure out how to keep it in, at um, uh, was to mimic uh, the a different success model. Again, the guy who said we want a booster pack in a 20 minute game, he hadn't been with the company now for seven years at that point, right? You know, and so, and then the guy who was handed the set of instructions from that guy now hadn't been at the company for whatever you said, like three years, four, two, two, three years. So my guess is once this, you know, the new, as the new brand style started to occur, those two priorities were now no longer a priority. It was probably like, what's evocative marketing? What's evocative branding? What's evocative sales? Because that's what the new company wanted, you know, the, the 3.0 company. And to be honest, you know, uh, the, the first company was not that, or the first versions of Pirates was not that. So my guess is, Try to make it more maybe different collectible model, may, maybe not even a collectible model, make it just a straight purchase, and then, therefore then what you want is box product versus booster product. I, I can't answer that question, and, and Tiffany, like you said, Tiffany probably could. But, I mean, the, the logic progression makes sense that they would have eventually gone in that direction. And, again, that's oh. one of the other reasons why I wasn't there. I didn't agree with the direction that they wanted to take the game. So Okay. Interesting. Yep. You but think... I, I don't think that I don't think anything. No company dictates how a company works, even if there's a legal settlement or agreement. You know. Yeah. So, okay. you know, that nice. that would not be something that would be sustainable and and even wanted at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think uh, Wizards of the Coast will release a new patent that's similar to the existing one that covers the CSG concept, the one that expires on? October 20th? No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I just think it, it's the... the One, they get nothing from that patent right now. There's no there's no game out there like it. No one's making a game like they're at it. The yeah. Japanese don't care what Wizards of the Coast patents is, and so if they make more Transformer stuff or other stuff, they're not going to they're not going to abide by that. And most American companies wouldn't even take it in. It would be an import only thing. So my guess is if you're doing a patent and your whole patent is to protect something that you are doing or planning on doing, the odds are they don't care. <laughs> um, I think Wizards has bigger and better 
products and bigger and better fish to fry than to worry about that, in my opinion. And, um, but I don't know. I mean, lawyers be lawyers and they do lawyery things and I'm a game designer that does games. So yep. the bottom line is I don't know if they would do it or care or feel that it's even, even it's like my guess is, is that there are enough ways now that people know how to work against those types of patents that they could probably sue it out if they really wanted to. My guess is you could, if we did something now, we could probably sue it out. But I, most people will probably just wait till it dies and then it goes away. Yeah, makes sense. Do you think piracy? I mean, I'm, is... I'm guessing. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm no, guessing, and uh, I, I don't yeah. know. Okay. Yeah, a lot of I mean, a lot of these last questions just get into more theoretical stuff. It's just really fascinating, like big topics that I love to cover. So, um, and on that point, do you think piracy issues has a chance to come back in the future? Well, I guess. I mean. It semi was freakishly weirdly announced, I guess, at the Alliance Open House, um, according to all of my feeds from everybody. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know what that means. Like, I don't know what they're doing. I, I don't know anything about it. But look, it's a really good game. We've just talked about it for what now six, eight hours about why this game is cool, why it's good, what it does. And therefore, no good games die. They will always somehow come back. Now, it will come back without me because I don't work for whatever company's doing it. It may come back with people I know. I have no actually no idea if it's going to be on anybody's radar. But, yeah, I mean, I don't understand why it's it, – I, I, I will tell you, I don't understand why it went away. I don't really understand why it stayed away so long. I love it. I love pirates. I'll probably buy it if it does come back because I'm an insane maniac about pirates. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I mean, if, I would love to get Robinsberger to buy it and make something to do with it, you know, but you know, it's probably not going to, um, it's probably not going to be something that, uh, I'm involved in in any way, shape or form or anything like that. But yeah, I, I don't, I'm just surprised if you have something that is like people are following it, you know, whatever we are now, 11 years later or 10 years later um yeah why wouldn't you i mean there's no game that i know of that has been seriously a long time out of print. i mean restoration games makes a career out of yeah. they're a business that makes a business out of taking old games and updating and renewing them and doing that stuff now you may like that or not like that depending on your point of view but the bottom line is yeah that's what they do you know so yep. yeah that makes sense nice do you think that? Yeah. Uh, do you think that Zeb Schlesinger's departure from WizKids this past summer is part of why there might be a possible relaunch of the game from WizKids? I don't know anything about any of that. One, I don't know. I don't know that there's one person at WizKids. I mean, I know the owners of WizKids, okay, or the managers. I know um, those guys, but um, um. My, I don't, so I don't know their inner workings, okay, at all. So I can't, I, I don't like to speculate or talk about stuff yeah. Um, yeah. about other companies because I don't know. Yep. I, and, but what I was going to say is I doubt one person at WizKids is stopping them from making any other game at WizKids. I don't, that doesn't make sense. It's not how businesses usually run. Um, 
if it's on their agenda or it's in their portfolio, if it's they own it now, uh, then I don't know why they haven't made it. I don't know why they wouldn't have made it. I don't know why they won't make it. Um, you know, so I, I don't know what his what ended up. Um, uh, like, you know, I know Justin Zaran, the, the head of, of him. He worked with us at WizKids. I know him pretty well. Yeah. Um, but I don't like really, like I say, I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know what that means. Like if they're doing it, that's really cool. I'm surprised it took so long. If they're not doing it, um, I don't think that there was one guy that you can hold responsible for that. So, yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Do you think Pirate C Pirate CSG could sell well if it was relaunched as a living card game or as like a non-collectible boxed game you know I, I i don't know i mean i really don't know the modern i mean, the yeah, I mean first off all of those formats are good and fine you know to mm -hmm. me like the direction is interesting to go in those like closed sets like here's your here's your set of you know whatever let's say it's a thousand points of english ships a thousand points of pirates a thousand points of french whatever spanish and then you build different sets out of those closed models it could sell way better the the weird the weird thing and this is where it's weird and i don't know the answer to that the reason why the booster pack system works so well is because if you busted somehow because they're fragile a ship you did not feel like you lost anything. You know what I mean? You lost uh, one half of a, or one third of a $4 pack. Yeah. So you lost something valued in theory at a dollar or less than a dollar. Yep. So now if you say in order to play this game, you know how to buy a $75 box and now one thing breaks in it. It's not, you don't look at it as saying, oh, I lost something that's worth, you know, one seventy fifth of the seventy five dollars. You're looking at it and saying, "My, I now have a semi playable faction that I can't recoup. I can't go and buy another three dollar and seventy five dollar pack and fix that character." That is the only thing that stops me from thinking: Are there other game models that it might work? Now, I could be totally wrong, and you can people can say that doesn't matter, and I could be proven wrong. But that's my. That was a thing that we learned very early on in the process and that was the um fact that um uh like the disposable breakable nature of things was not um something that stopped people from playing in fact yeah. what we found is is that sometimes what people would do because of the game was inexpensive or cheap if you're uh, being mean um was the fact that like i broke my ship let's say the top mast the top of one of the masts or one of the masts broke i would just use a different ship but use the main card you know and so maybe that's how you get around it you know you have like a a card that that is the thing and the ship is less it's still important for gameplay but it's less that the card and the ship are one-to-one -one, like they are in the old school game but I don't, uh, I don't know. It's a very, uh, 
Uh, it's a very good question. I think it can work in multiple models. I seriously am now thinking about how do I turn this into a scenario model game because of you and your thing. Now that's going to live in my head for the rest of my life. But yeah, I think that that's, that's, uh, that's pretty, you know, that's a pretty cool model to use. I think, I mean, it's really just who they expect the audience to be. I mean, the yeah. really cool thing, and again, I will say it a thousand times, the really cool thing was that we made this cheap, portable game playable by everybody. You start to put higher prices on it, then you start to say it's not playable by everybody, you know? Yeah. And that's, you know, that's part of my soul, you know, that I that we did that. And so I can understand that if it's not going to be something that people... Uh, um uh do in the future that's that's a different model we just have to see how that model fits with the product yeah yeah i've always found it interesting the community is kind of sometimes split on um collectible versus non-collectible like some people love to collect and a lot of people have spent a ton of money on the game and they hardly ever play they've got like they've got huge boxes or binders full of unpunched cards and stuff which is all good and then there's other people that think about you even mentioned collectible games and they're like, ah, oh, it's such a, it's a money grab and like everybody's against it. So it's kind of, it's always kind of interesting how polarizing it is. I I'm kind of, I don't want to say I'm a rarity that I'm in the middle, but I kind of, I'm kind of cool either way with it. I just, I'm just glad the game is really fun and fills that historical, like Epic naval adventure niche really well. But anyway, uh, what distribution or packaging method do you think would be optimal for the game if it was in stores today? Like sealed, I mean, it's kind of similar to the other, the last question, but like sealed packs or semi-collectible boxes, or maybe like an, like you said, like $75, like all in one non-collectible version. Uh, the bottom line is uh, my guess is the biggest problem, the biggest problem now, has nothing to do with how the game is packaged if you're going to go collectible. The biggest problem now is the speculator market, which is basically by default like power gaming the economics, you know? And therefore you've added now a new group of people to the mix who are not interested in the game at all, who are interested in doing that, which means then you have to have a certain kind of crazy rarity and then you have to have the... The rarity, you have to have the game playable without that rarity, but then you have to have the completest in mind, and you have to have... So my guess would be that if you were going to do it, and it is not, you know, collectible, you know, at the booster pack level, or if it is, it's either a soft soft curve of, of collectability, or you got to go with some other model. Um, it's new. It's a thing that I am not used to. When we did our games, it was an innocent time, as I keep saying over and over again. Um, so that is a take on it that I don't really know. Um, like, so my guess would be if you don't want to be in that market and it's the weird thing is WizKids is in that market, you know, so do they, do they, would they put it out as a collectible because they're in that market or would they go in a very different direction, more board game ask, if you will, and do, like you said, like a living card game or a closed box of X. Um, that would be better, you know, my guess is retailers would prefer that unless you are literally strictly doing a booster collectible game. If you're doing some sort of hybrid, I think you might run into trouble, but I think if you picked a lane, you would, it would be better. 
But okay. Nice. Do you think the game could come back as a digital or virtual game? Like exclusive. I think it should. Yeah. yeah, I would love it. I don't know if it will, but I would love yeah. it. Yes, I, I'm I'm in that camp. Nice. Yeah, there's been. I play on the Vassal module sometimes, but a lot of people don't like it because it's like two dimensional and not as pretty as like the SOE version from back in the day. Um, there are a few folks. I'll send you their work on. Some people are um, kind of trying to build essentially a digital version um, by they've made it they've found a method to use like scans of the cards like essentially just giant pictures of the cards and then they can separate the pieces and build the ships digitally um well, so wow, it's that's pretty, cool. yeah it's pretty interesting it's pretty pretty awesome i think between that and like some of the advancements and ai and whatnot that are coming i think we could see some cool some cool projects whether or not it's fan made or official i think we'll see some pretty awesome stuff this decade and maybe beyond as well so um have you had personal experience with the patents for other games expiring and then being open to anyone reproducing the game? No, because uh, I have not. No. Okay. I don't even know. To be honest with you, you keep saying that. And if you ask me in literally right now, and maybe you are thinking in your head, I have no idea what the patent is. I wasn't even a part of that. I didn't even know one existed for it. So all I can tell you is I didn't think you can patent games. So I'm confused by what the patent actually is about. And therefore I am basically like, I don't know. I don't know what happens when something, a patent runs out um, and whether or not it is. I'm not going to read what you wrote. Yeah. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah. It's not, yeah. It's more for like the constructible concept of the game rather than like a specific one. And they talk about like movable parts and things like that, but awesome. Uh, if Pirate CSG came back, would you want to return to it? Uh, um, wow. Um, I don't know. Um, would I love to return to it? I would love to do the Pirates CCG game. I would be interested in that. But my job right now has me making all kinds of games and all kinds of genres and all kinds of stuff. If you were only going to hire me to work on this game, I would say no. Because mm -hmm. one, um, what if it's not successful day one? You know, what if it doesn't come out? Then I'm out of technically out of a job. So the answer is very crass, unfortunately, because of, you know, we're now in a position where we need to be... Um, I need to look at like my life and my future. Yeah. The answer is probably no. There's only one game that I have or one game line that I've dropped other jobs for and that's shadow run. Um, and that's how come I worked on all the various shadow runs over the years, <laughs> but I don't think so. I mean, I would love, I'd give my teeth to do it, but I don't necessarily know that I can give up what I have now. Yeah. That makes Unfortunately, sense. Unfortunately. Yeah. It's a, I'm a grown up decision. I ain't being a grown up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally understand that. If it would have to be part of Robinsberger or like a multi-game um, job or whatever, and it might depend on like the team involved and what direction they wanted. Yeah, to go in. and what they want to do with it. I exactly. mean, really, you know, like I said, stuff was made and um, decisions were made, I should say, and decisions on my skills and what can we do and my passion and what we could do. 
So, you know, the game was created under cer- certain circumstances, under certain um, abilities, and with certain uh, uh, through line. I would need to know, be like, if anything, like in this case or any case of a game, I need to know what my role was, what the through line of that role was, what the end games for the company are. Those are like stuff I would never have thought to ask 15, 20 years ago if I was going to go from company A to company B to work on something. That is different. Um, Seth and I talk a lot about this because he was involved with the clickscapes well after he left WizKids in various freelance capacities. And at one point he just said, I, I don't like what you're doing to this. I spent a lot of my energy making a game that did X and you're making a game that does Y. And I don't know that I can make that game because I made X. And so now you're asking me to undo all the things I made to get it here. That could be the case. They could be starting over. They can be making a new game. It could not be point-based. I have no idea. Not that those are things that I would say no to, but those are all the questions I would ask if even if it was handed, you know, given to me. And my my takeaway from all that is I would rather make something new than make it. I would rather make a new Pirates game, even as cool as a collectible model mini styrene-based game than I would to basically go in and either be told make the old game again which is not really going to be fun. I left it because I felt that we were at a point where it could just stop. We were we were done. We we're not moving the game forward. Or if they say no, we're just going to do this and not that we're going to convince or con anybody, but we're going to uh make the same you know we're going to change everything and then at that point then i'm like why did you call me you can hire anybody to change the game you know are you just using it to make it sound like there's a a link to the past you're not asking me to do any of my skills or anything on it i mean i'm now an experienced you know uh game designer with a set of credentials and a set of uh what people expect of me so you know, so yeah, if Rob, if it like somehow handed ended up being in Robinsberger's lap, dude, I would stop everything to say I want to make this game. Going to another company where I don't know any of those uh, goals and, and and concepts that would be scary. Do I think it's worth that game coming out again? One hundred percent. Do I think it will be? You know, that's the now that's the question more for you guys and the fans is what if they change a bunch of stuff? What if it's not compatible with the old game? What if it's a brand new thing that just uses that name? How much is that going to matter to people and what will that do? And that's where I think that they're probably making like long and hard decisions. You know, the photos we saw that you and I saw from that, that Alliance Open House, I mean, they were using ads from when Tiffany was there. So, yeah. you know, you know, so at one point you got to go, well, I think they're making the same game. That, are they are they going to re-release all the old stuff? Are they going to release half the old stuff and intermingle it with new stuff? How is it going to operate? I have no idea. I have no insight. No one's told me a word about it, but I'm just curious, like, you know, how they're going to go about it and how they're going to apply. You know, do they even do they even know you guys exist? Not that that's a I don't mean to be mean about it, but I just don't know. I don't yeah, I assume yeah. that you guys, you know, that there's a constant dialogue, not constant dialogue, but they're observing that the the fandom. Um, but, you know, when it's all said and done, the answer is got to be no, I wouldn't do it. 
but it's not going to hurt my soul. It already hurts my soul just thinking about that question. <laughs> yeah, no worries at all. Um, you mentioned, well, yeah, I'll tangent away first. Um, yeah, for me, just to return to it real quick, I think it would have to be compatible for me to want to buy into it personally, but I can't speak for the majority of the community in that regard. So I know some other people, a lot of people in the Pirates community are more into the game gaming than me. I've kind of, I know, I understand I kind of pigeonhole myself. I'm kind of like the Pirates guy and like, I don't have time for a lot of other, all the other games and stuff, but I'm not sure what the community would think of that. But I think that that might be my question of the day. But anyway, going off on tangents now, um, I heard you, you said something about towards the end of your tenure, you felt like the game was not moving forward. I don't know. No, why. I didn't mean that. I, oh, I, okay. I, that was a mistake on my part. Oh, yeah. I wasn't moving forward. Um, yeah, I, I was were. only working on the one game. Other games were taken away from me. I only had the Pirates game, and so I wasn't moving forward, not the game. Oh, um, I see what you're saying. Uh, okay. And, and sorry, sorry about that. It, just, no, it was a personal – it was part of the personal, like, where's my role in things. Yeah, yeah. My role was being more and more diminished, and and also, like, like, as you discovered later on, they were doing things where it was not a complete set. It was a set with one-off products that may have been you know when we started doing the boxes that may have been part of it plus like i said it was now a v3 we are now owned by a third company um or we were owned by new tops ownership and they did not you know where priorities were laying in it was like hey let's get more you know uh like you know, double down on like Halo clicks and uh, Star Wars, uh, uh, um, Styrene game and, and all this kind of stuff. And so it was, became less about what I was doing, you know, less about pirates from a big picture corporate setup that I was like, wait, I don't see me going anywhere here. I'm actually being kind of squeezed out. And while I love the game I'm working on, I will always love pirates. It is like one of my, two or three most proudest moments as a game mate that I made that game. The bottom line is, you know, the, the I could see the writing on the wall of where the future of things were had nothing to do with pirate sales or if the company didn't like pirates or any of that kind of stuff. So. Yep. Awesome. Do you have any idea how the uh, shuffling the deck, like card game only version did in sales came out in like 2012? I didn't even know that that existed so the answer to your question is no i had no idea <laughs> yep no worries if you were trying to bring the game back now with its current situation what would you do like if you had uh, what to... do you mean <laughs> your current situation being what uh that it's owned by another company i mean people have to understand a certain set of parameters when having a discussion like this one i don't know the facts i don't know why it's not brought back i have no idea what WizKids is doing I have no idea what their strategy is, and I don't have no idea what they are bringing back if they are, in fact, bringing something back. I know nothing about any of that stuff. All I can talk about is how like, how it was when we were working on it and then maybe some generic business stuff that people don't understand. So there's, under, under, under a what-if scenario, you know, uh, I could say, here's how I might bring the game back. I haven't thought about the game, so that wouldn't be very fair either for, because I would just literally be talking based on the question you asked. So to, to really answer the question, I have no idea. I really don't know what is the 
I don't know what the market for pirates is right now. I don't know what the what the the tone is like. Do you go uh, fantastical more than you go realistic? Do you do like a, a somewhere in between, like a historical fiction thing, like we started with, and then evolve it into a fantastical from a storyline? I don't know what story we're telling the consumer. That's number one. Whatever company owns it, whatever they're doing, they have to figure out what their story is. The consumer now. It, a, a really good game existed for a very long time and now still has a following an even longer time. So now you're in a position where if you're trying to, do, like I said a little bit earlier, are you going up against that and embracing it? Are you going against it and rebuilding it? Are you, you know, I mean, we watch it happen in nearly every media. Somebody hires a new author to write, you know, famous author characters and you get people who love it and people who hate it. You get uh, movie franchises that totally reset. They're going to do a new Harry Potter TV show. What the hell is that all about? You know, what's going to happen? And then you just like, okay, they decided to like, you know, redo it, start at square one. Other people will say, no, we're going to build off of it. You know, we're going to do the Ahsoka TV show because Ahsoka was in Clone Wars, who was in, uh, you know, Rebels. And then, uh, and then you know, and, and now we're going to tell a storyline. We're going to tie her into the big fiction of the big movies. And it's like, okay, so now you're doing like a hybrid thing where you're new characters and old characters. I have no idea for this, like, because I don't know what I would do if given the operating, if you said, Mike, we just gave you Pirates of the Caribbean. What do you want to do with it? I'd have to think through all those things. Yep. You know, I look at what you were doing and going, okay, well, here's a guy who's got fleets and fleets and fleets and ships and ships. Is that the truth? Is that where we need to take the game? Or do we need to drive it to six-year-olds and seven-year-olds and eight-year-olds who think pirates are still cool and really love pirates and we make a game for them? I mean, that was the decision early on. We knew we had gamers who liked pirates and ship battles and all that kind of stuff. And we went and said, now we're going for... $3 booster packs, you know, one pack to play a game and you play a game in 20 minutes. You know, those kinds of decisions, they're they're not made arbitrarily. They're made because you're looking for that audience. So if you handed it to me today and just said, you're now own it. It's all Mike Mulville's property. You know, what has intrigued me about it is a lot of stuff we've talked about over this last way too many hours. And you know, what have we done from a, you know, what is a business? What is a logical business standpoint? And that's not what fans want or hear. I mean, but that's the reality of it. Because one, if I'm going to do it, I want it to be successful. If I want it to be successful, I want it to be as successful as the one before it, and maybe even more so. So those are the kind of stuff that goes into that kind of decision. But to just say, hey, you know, what's the, what's the, Goal, you know, what's the golden apple for this? I, I don't know. There's too many parts that have to be decided and determined. And, and to be honest with you, it's not my ballywick in some cases. And it's not where my brain is anymore. So it's just a it's a it's a weird question because like it's more of a like I say, it's a what if it's it, what ifs. If we don't know anything from 50 years of Marvel Comics can be anything. And so it can be anything. What I want it to be is going to really depend on what I can do with it. You know? Yeah. I don't know if that made any sense. But no, it I, did. I, it absolutely it's, did. It's, it's, a a very, it's a very touchy subject because I'm talking to a guy who's a fan. You are a fan. And if I sit here and I tell you 
that you're a fan, and yet, when it's all said and done, I may change everything that you love about the game in order to make it successful in 2023. You're going to be very angry. No, <laughs> and I would, so, I would, no, you know, I'm, 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 a, I'm, a, I'm not saying you, I'm, I don't yeah. mean you, Ben, specifically. I mean, there are going to be people who are going to be out there and, um, uh, and, and say that kind of stuff. So I have no idea what WizKids is planning on doing. I don't know what they want to do. The, I, I haven't talked to anybody at WizKids. Well, that's not actually true. Our our old marketing director now works for them, and uh, I saw him at GenCon. So I have talked to somebody from WizKids in the last year, but that was the last person I've talked to from WizKids in a really, really long time. I see Justin at shows and say hi to him, you know. Um, uh, but I don't. I've never talked to anybody from WizKids. I know nothing about what they're doing. I was as surprised and shocked as you did, and my response was. To you, which is, I will tell it right now, is that I texted you back and I said, no good games ever go away. They yeah. never do. So it doesn't surprise me that it might be coming back. And hopefully they appreciate the work we did in it to make it where it is enough for them to think about coming back. But I don't, I can't guarantee any of that. Yep. Yeah. No, that answer made a ton of sense. There's just too many variables to really um, go into detail. And I totally, I don't think I'd be angry understand like the the business side of it and the need to make a profit and especially if it's collectible you got to pump out units and sell um to keep it going and whatnot so yeah um so to wrap up we just got some kind of kind of random little questions what are you doing now what do i do now so i work at robinsberger um so for those who don't know it we're uh international game company um we are our main well, yes. So I work in the board game team. I am creatively adjacent to the Lorcana team. So if those out there that know about Lorcana now, because it's all over everything, it's a collectible card game. Um, but I I work on the board game side. So under, products under my ballywick, if you will, are the, uh, the two that I am in charge of and run like I ran um the pirates are uh, uh, the villainous line of games and the horrified. Those are my games. Um, I make basically about five to six board games a year for Ravensburger. Um, so it's like those three are the, the uh, Star Wars, uh, three villain, uh, two villainesses and uh, horrified every year. And then I make usually about three other games um, for them as well. Uh, and I've been doing this for like six years. I love it. It is awesome to be out of software and in board games. Um, uh, I still do, like I said, if I can, I will help mentor anybody who asks me. So that's a cool thing on how to pr do proposals and how to talk about games to other people and how to teach games and teach about games so i do that i'm gonna I, i've been doing that like in high schools and colleges when everybody wants me to come in and speak i did that earlier this year or i guess the end of this school year so it would have been in the spring at uw bothell for a, a friend of mine who teaches there and i'm gonna be doing something at a school that my wife works at in february or i think january february so uh, but mainly I make games for people and I hope that they have fun. I use that model that I said earlier where I start with what's our, what's the story of this product. And then I work backwards. I, I work, <laughs> as you heard, I basically work a lot with Disney, a lot with Star Wars, a lot with Marvel. So I'm using all that stuff that I learned is early back with, uh, 
Pirates of the Caribbean and Sony, you know, online to, to determine how you do um, properties and and and, uh, and and working with others other IPs. There's a bunch of other stuff too. I've, I've worked with Universal Studios on games. I worked with a bunch of other people for Ravensburger, and that's my day job. You know, and so that's what I do. And in the evenings, I come home and go, oh, my God, I can't believe that was my day. Nice. My head hurts. <laughs> um, and, uh, uh, yeah, that's it. I live awesome. in Seattle now, not in Chicago. I, well, I lived in Seattle when I moved here for Wisconsin, yeah. so I guess it's always Seattle. Uh, still Chicago and at heart. Um, yeah, that's nice. it. Play some... Uh, play some video game solo just to kind of like as a palate cleanser game yeah. as often as i can with uh, people um uh that's that's where we're at nice so. where can people find you online if if you want them to follow you uh so uh well my my work email is mike.movahill at robinsberger.com so that's cool I'm on various medias. Uh, if you ever type in the phrase Prime Runner, just P-R-I-M-E, like underscore runner if you're on Steam, but in most cases just Prime Runner. I think on on my ex, uh, my uh, PlayStation I might be might have some numbers after it or something. That's a, usually my go-to on all the other medias, Prime Runner. Uh, it's an old Shadowrun reference of a character I made in that game. Uh, so... I'm on that on Instagram on uh well I'm now on TikTok if you can believe that because of Robinsberger. Um <laughs> nobody wants to see a 60-year-old man on TikTok so it's I don't play that part. Uh Facebook um uh, there if you ever want to reach me uh you can uh friend me or uh, or send me a contact that's this Mike Mulvihill. Um Reddit uh is probably Prime Runner. I think there might be a, I might also have a Robinsberger account on Reddit. Um uh discord uh my prime runner in your account yeah that's what yeah. i'm seeing yeah yeah prime runner see there i am that's me um so i'm on, on discord too if you uh chat me up i use it mostly for work so it's but if you say hey i'm not in your work uh you can do that <laughs> and then i'll know <laughs> yeah. uh yeah i think that that covers all the social medias i guess i'm on linkedin as mike Mulvihill. so um if you need me in that regard, I'm there. I think that's nearly all the. I'm not on Twitter or X or Twitter X yeah. or X Twitter or whatever it is. I'm not on that anymore. Um, so I don't do that thing. Um, cool. Yeah, that's it. I guess awesome. that's how you get a hold of me if you ever wanted to have a what is it now a ten hour conversation about games. <laughs> you want to contact. Awesome. Anything that you want to promote or give a shout out to? Uh, well, I mean, I will give a shout out to all the peeps. Uh, one, you. Uh, obviously, you're listening to this podcast, so you already know Ben. But if you don't, or if somebody tips you off, uh, great guy, great podcast, great uh, uh, enthusiasm for that. Thank you. Um, I, I My games are almost always found in um, uh, Target. So, I mean, obviously, I promote my games. Oogie Boogie for Disney Villainous just came out. And now we have a, a Horrified coming out in October called Greek Monsters, which is really, really cool. Very proud of both of those. Um, 
like you've talked to a lot of the people I know, so there's not a lot of shout outs to be done there. Like I know you talked to Shane already and Tiffany, and now you talked to Ethan. Yeah. Um, those are all people I worked in daily at, at WizKids, so that's really cool um, that you talk to them. They're really great people and friends, and in some cases, Tiffany's almost family. So um, that's really cool. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, that's that's really it from a product or what I'm working on. And Keep looking for my games. Please keep buying them because uh, I love making them. Let me know if I stray from my... Uh, paths <laughs> of 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 stuff um and uh yeah uh hopefully we keep doing this for a long time and you know um hopefully there's a really cool pirates game that comes out that uh captures the imagination like uh spanish main did so yep. awesome all right we'll get to the final segment uh one of my favorites uh questions of the day so you can think about Yours, feel free to ask multiple too, because we've been going so long. You could have multiple questions of the day. That's totally fine. Uh, while I'm rambling, you can think of one if you want. Uh, you don't have to. But uh, mine for the audience actually kind of came up as a result of this discussion, which the question for the community is, would you buy a similar but not compatible version of Pirates CSG or Pi Pirates of the Spanish Main IP from WizKids, assuming it was using the same intellectual property and had you know maybe some of the same characters or art and things like that um i'm just kind of curious what the community would think of that not necessarily a miniatures game but probably at least with constructible ships so probably not like the shuffling the deck card game probably more similar to pirates but maybe similar but not compatible i'm curious what the community if they would buy that or not so, and then if, if you'd like, you can ask as many questions as you'd like of the audience. Yeah. I mean, the ones that would intrigue me would be, uh, like what the, the, I I'm dude, I'm seriously, it's living in my head and I can't get rid of it. And it's the concept of the, uh, of the, like the scenario based, uh, gameplay model. That is just really cool. My question would be, would people be interested in that? The second question, which is a kind of a follow-up, like a comma to that is how do you play? the game do you play it like do you enjoy it because it's a 30 minute quick play 40 point game or do you play it the way ben's talked about like with you know 60 70 80 points that may take two three four hours I, i'm very curious about that because to me that's the core of the game and and i i believe people may like a but they also do b or may like b and also do a and i'd be real curious to hear how people divide that up the other question is and this is a this is a what if question for fans and i be i might i can probably guess how everybody was going to say but one of the things like i said earlier was a big decision that we had to make was when we would come out with a new set with a new with a new flag if you will and and a, and a new style of play for different uh models would that would you have liked to see them their stories continue through the sets so you know no one maybe the j no i don't think so i think their ships did but i don't i think the ships always transferred but i don't know if the factions ever did so if, like for instance if we had done curse nord would that have been interesting or, or the norseman or whatever it was would we if we had done cursed things so that the factions still their storyline still continued as we continued the other storylines 
because that was an actual conscious decision that we made that was like, okay, in the next set, we're introducing a new faction. And the other faction, where you could still play it, was not something that we, again, because we needed to get pirates and English and Spanish and Americans and whatever in every set, we kind of started to downplay some of the really cool sets we put in. And I would just be curious, like, is that okay? Did you go, eh, the Nords were good, and that's you got everything we wanted in there? Or would you have liked to have seen Nords as they moved in different things, in, in different ways? Nords against the, you know, in a, in a set that was not Nord-based, or Nord, Norsemen. I think, I can't remember, what did we call them? Norsemen, right? Nords are from... Uh, Vikings. That's the Vikings, of course. Oh, right. so we called it the most common name, and I'm making up names. So, you know, would it have been cool to see that what we could have done there? And even if it was only one ship or one or two ships or a couple of crew, would that have been something that would have been interesting? Or was it, you know, like being one and done, was that okay? You know, I'm always curious about that because that was something that we debated a lot about. Like, do we bring them back? Do we do, do we wait a set and bring them back in this set? Do we, you know, when we went to the cursed model and the IP, how much of those were part of it and you know I, I don't necessarily know that we ever had a fan answer to that question it was just internal like production math level question and answer so yeah those, those would be my questions awesome yeah i love it that was great all right thanks again for coming on mike this was just absolutely astounding and like that's the right easily... my wife's gonna be laughing at me when i go into the <laughs> other room because she's like oh are you gonna come in for dinner and i'm like well if i'm done by uh whatever and then nine o'clock it's now awesome. eight o'clock again. Yep. All right. Thanks again. All right, uh, man. Thanks, thanks everybody for listening. Again, um, anytime. Uh, if you need anything, give me a call, give me a, a, a message or whatever. And yeah, this is awesome. Let me know the next time you're playing, I might join in again. Yeah. Awesome. Sounds good. Yeah. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, feel free to like subscribe yeah. to the podcast. Bye, everybody. Check out the links in the description below for the, some of the stuff we talked about and uh, let us know your answers to the question today. So this was the pirate CSG podcast signing out. And thanks for listening.